We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Tuesday. Officially game week. The wait is finally over. Well, basically almost over. Uh, And we are going to talk all about Chargers and Raiders tonight. So cannot wait to get into it with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's finally game week, uh, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, but I'm more excited to announce that s- seven months I have lived in the wilderness without a dryer. I did not have one. And I just discovered <laughs> on my way home that they installed a dryer. And that to me is more <laughs> exciting than football. What do you have, like the birds doing your laundry or what? <laughs> uh, the sun drying after I put it in the washer. Yeah. So basically the birds. <laughs> That is very, very nice. As somebody who's lived in a tropical foreign country, I can definitely relate to that. You don't have to hang your clothes on some clothing lines outside your house anymore. It's really nice. I uh, I lived in Mexico for a year and four months before I had air conditioning again in, in my apartment. So I, uh, I I can relate to the excitement there. Uh, yeah. Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how are you doing? Can't say I've ever lived without a washer and dryer within a good <laughs> mile from my house, um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm deliriously excited that after all this time, I mean, Stephen, you and I were there when the Chargers lost in Vegas. We've been waiting a long time for this game, and it's almost here. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, Braden Fajoko said last week that the team's not really motivated by revenge. I think all of us are certainly motivated by revenge. Uh, obviously, hope that translates to fan attendance this week. So, uh, hopefully, everybody that can make it is uh, out there and uh, watching the game. So, um, as you can tell, we're doing something a little bit different this year uh, due to our schedules. Uh, we are going to do the bulk of our. Um, weekly previews on Tuesday, you know, we'll have a little bit in terms of like final score predictions, injury updates and things like that. Um, partially with Arjun and then partially with us on Saturdays as we go through our Q and a. So, um, it's going to be a bit of a different process. We are going to workshop, uh, <laughs> workshop it throughout the season, of course. Um, but we wanted to kind of revisit the off seasons of each of these teams that the chargers are going to be playing, Obviously, we know that not everybody that is going to be listening and watching this show is uh, a massive football nerd like the three of us are. So uh, we are going to talk about some of the coaching changes for each of these teams, some of the personnel changes in terms of veterans, in terms of rookies. Um, Basically, so you guys listening and watching are as well informed as possible for game week. So um, consider this our mini deep dive, if you will, into each of these teams. Uh, and then we'll go through some of the usual rundown in terms of key matchups, in terms of X factors, uh, and a new segment called Victory Formation, which we will get to in a second here. So uh, before we get to that, we already have a first Super Chat of the day. Uh, Michael Lopez says, Raider fans upset about having to decide between studying for the GED <laughs> or watching the game this Sunday. Uh, all Raider jokes are absolutely welcome today for those who are uh, in attendance, I apologize in advance to Tyler's dad, who is a Raiders fan. So, um, you know, if you have a nice little GED joke or <laughs> otherwise, feel free to hit us up in the chat. All right. That being said, let's uh, dive into this Raiders offseason. We're going to do our best uh, our best deep dive impression, if you will, like I said. And uh, as always, we do have a Google slide. So we are going to revisit the offseason of the Las Vegas Raiders in terms of coaches, free agency, and NFL draft. So uh, before we really dive in here, uh, I want to stop talking for a second and let you guys talk for a little bit. Uh, Tyler, we messaged back and forth in the chat yesterday. Now that we have, obviously, the four or five months of the offseason, what's kind of your general impression of what the Raiders did or didn't do this offseason? Ooh, general impressions. They're obviously a team that is going through a lot of roster turnover. There's no doubt about that. We're going to talk about that. So I think based on what they kind of had, I did, they did a decent amount with what they with what they had. I thought their draft was solid-ish. I thought they did enough in free agency and trades to, you know, make them I think a more of a contender than last year. I feel like last year, yes, they did make the postseason. Yes, they did beat the Chargers. But as Arjun has pointed out several times, as we pointed out, it was kind of fluky. Like, it really should not have happened for the Raiders. Whereas I feel like this year, and now I didn't have them making the postseason, but if they do, I can kind of see more pieces, at least on, on offense, that really speak to this team really being a potential contender. I don't know. I'm just trying to say some nice things because my dad's listening. Um, <laughs> but overall, this is still a team that is going through a lot of turnover, and I really don't think they did enough. I thought that they you know, were, were kind of scary-ish with some of their additions. And listen, Devontae Adams... You know, some of these guys like, oh, OK, those are you know pretty good players, obviously. But going through the depth chart yesterday, going through the history of some of these players, this is not a 
good roster. It's just a very strong, top-heavy roster. And unfortunately, with a quarterback who really shouldn't be considered top 10, it's kind of like, and I thought Rivers is better than Carr, it just reminds me a lot of what the Chargers did in the early Telesco years where it's, we've got Rivers, we've got Keenan, we've got Gates, you know, we've got a couple pieces here and there, but it's really not a good team. And in particular, the offensive line of the secondaries. I really think the Raiders are just lacking the pieces that really the Chargers, kind of the Chiefs, and really even the Broncos, they do sort of have. Um, so they did, I think, as much as they could, but they're going to go through a lot of turnover. And even, you know, my dad, as a Raiders fan, will admit this really isn't their year. If it is, great, but it really isn't their year because of what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, I, I think the things the Raiders were already good at, you could argue that they got better at, right? You add Devontae Adams to Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. You add a couple nice running back pieces behind Josh Jacobs. You sure. go get Chandler Jones. And, you know, I do think upgrade over Yannick Ngakwe and, you know, what you had there, right? Now you get to put Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe together. But the things that crippled the Raiders last year, their offensive line, their secondary they're kind of still bad. Um, and so their offensive line is arguably worse because, you know, a lot of their projection hinged on Alex Leatherwood working out. Alex Leatherwood obviously did not work out in Las Vegas. So now they're sort of trying to find out, uh, you know, I guess how good their upgrade is going to be is fixing the defense as simple as upgrading from Gus Bradley to Patrick Graham. Can, will that cover a lot of their structural flaws? Maybe. Um, and you could say the same potentially with the offensive line if it doesn't prove throughout the year compared to what it was last year. But right now I see a team that is better, but not at the things that they need to be better at to really make an improved uh, difference over 2021. Yeah, I think that's a really fair way of, of putting that, Alex. And I, I not to say that they'll have the same result, right? But, uh, you know, I picture their regular season playing out very similar to similarly to how you know, the Bengals last season worked out where they're going to rely heavily upon explosive plays, not be super efficient. Um, I'm not saying that they'll necessarily, I think the Bengals were like 19th in weighted DVA last year on offense. I think they will be better than that, but I, I think you're going to see some, uh, some goose eggs from the Raiders. You're going to see them put up 40 points on some teams. It's going to be a lot of big plays and uh, you know, we'll see how that kind of works out. So um, all right, I have the first tab here, so uh, we are going to dive in here to specifically the Raiders coaching staff. Obviously, uh, you all know by now John Gruden no longer on uh, in the Raiders organization. He has, of course, moved on. They also decided to clean house from everybody that was uh, held over from his staff during their playoff run. I think they caught a decent amount of flack after firing Rich Bisaccia. Uh, and Gus Bradley, but um, they decided to go in a whole new direction with a clean sweep, uh, ultimately hiring Josh McDaniels, of course, former Patriots offensive coordinator, former St. Louis Rams offensive coordinator, and of course, the former Denver Broncos head coach before that. Uh, offensive coordinator McDaniels is bringing with him Mick Lombardi. I don't know if there's any relation to Joe at this point, but I probably wouldn't be surprised if they're like second cousins or something like that. Um, very inexperienced offensive coordinator. He was um, only with the Patriots recently, um, and he was a quarterback's coach. Uh, no, excuse me. He was a quarterback's coach for the Niners with uh, John, with Jim Harbaugh, uh, was an assistant receivers coach with the Adam Gaze-led Jets. 
uh, before ultimately returning to the New England Patriots. He was the offensive coordinator for the last, or the, excuse me, the quarterback's coach for the last two years working under Josh McDaniels. Um, Patrick Graham, of course, becoming the new defensive coordinator, uh, coming by way of the New York football giants. He was with New England for a very long time before that, as well as the Miami Dolphins. Um, and then their special teams coordinator, Tom McMahon, somebody that we openly did not want the Chargers to hire as special teams coordinator uh, because of his work with the Denver Broncos. So um, other key assistant coaches that I really wanted to kind of point out here, um, Frank Oakham, as well as Jason Siddham's. Frank Oakham is their defensive line coach. Jason Simmons is their pass game coordinator. Uh, both of those guys were hired from the Carolina Panthers uh, and worked pretty extensively um, at the University of Baylor under um, Matt Rule uh, there in uh, Carolina. So those two guys, I think, will play will play a heavy role in terms of schematics and things like that. They also have Rob Ryan on their coaching staff, which I didn't know until I was Me preparing too? for this specific episode. Yes, he's an assistant defensive coordinator, or an assistant senior defensive assistant. Excuse me. Uh, so I had no idea that he was on the coaching staff until earlier this week. Uh, they also have Antonio Pierce, the former New York Giant oh. linebacker, former Arizona State defensive coordinator. Uh, he is their linebackers coach. So a lot of interesting mixes there on defense. Um, offensively as well, their offensive line coach uh, is a guy named Carmen Brasillo. He was Dante Scarnecchia's replacement uh, in New England. My understanding is that he was handpicked by Scarnecchia from Youngstown State. He was not in the NFL before becoming the Patriots offensive line coach. Uh, and he's been the, he was the Patriots offensive line coach for two seasons before ultimately getting hired this offseason by the Las Vegas Raiders. So a lot of interesting coaching things. What I will say in terms of Patrick Graham, I think you objectively look at his defense as one that was kind of a, a mixed bag mm-hmm. in New York. He was 17th in DBA each of the last two seasons. So it wasn't necessarily anything special in terms of on the field, uh, but obviously very well known for his high IQ acumen and his leadership. Um, and objectively, I like the kind of, melding of brains that he is bringing together because like i said his defense the patriots defense not super in vogue in this point so he brings in a couple college guys who are very familiar with like a three three five uh kind of defense which i hate but you know there's a certain kind of uh interesting choices being made there and then you know being bringing in rob ryan and antonio pierce who are very familiar with like exotic blitzes and simulated pressures who which is not necessarily the patriots game you know i, I think the patriots game is, is obviously predicated on um you know confusing quarterbacks with coverages as opposed to blitzing at a high rate so in terms of something that objectively i like about the patriots uh, excuse me about the patriots but the raiders coaching staff is the way that patrick graham has kind of put his staff together um, biggest question I have really is the lack of experience on the offensive side of things. I mentioned Mick Lombardi, not super experienced. He's only been a quarterback's coach and frankly, uh, has worked with some bad quarterbacks. You're talking about Sam Darnold, Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami, uh, Cam Newton last year, and then Mac Jones this past season. So not a ton of great experience there for him. I mentioned the offensive line coach. I have no idea like what kind of track record this guy has at Youngstown State. But you're talking about Youngstown State, making him the jump from Youngstown State 
to New England Patriots offensive line coach cannot have been an easy task. And the offensive line results were an incredibly mixed bag with the Patriots over the last two seasons. And he's not exactly getting a loaded room here in Las Vegas. So I like what they've done on defense. I have a lot of questions offensively. Obviously, I know Josh McDaniels is, is kind of considered, you know, a, a very smart offensive, you know, play caller. But everything around him, I have a lot of question marks about. Man, you should really look at Twitter and see Raiders fans wax poetic about Josh McDaniels being <laughs> like Sean McVay. I'm like, I don't know if we're really getting there, folks. Yeah, I don't know what to make of McDaniels, McDaniels honestly, just yet. I know people point to, or I should say Raiders fans point to, the success that the Patriots had. But, like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I think we know <laughs> where to give sure. the credit in those situations. Uh, Patrick Graham, a pretty solid hire for them. Um, it's going to be a difficult transition, for sure, to that defense from a completely opposite defense in Gus uh, Bradley's. But it's an okay coaching staff. It's no one that, like, right. oh, wow, this is this is it. Like, this is a really, really good staff. Um, I thought, like, Brian Dable did a better job assembling a really a whole top to bottom, you know, new staff, new organization. This one, eh, and then Tom McMahon, we watched, we watched last year, you know, the Broncos had an awful, awful special team performance against the Chargers last year. So if that's kind of what they're in store for, they got rid of Rick Pisaccia. That's his name. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. This really doesn't do anything to, to inspire me or, or to make me feel any bit worried. Yeah, I know how I feel about Josh McDaniels. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a fraud who hasn't been able to do anything when he hasn't been able to cheat. Uh, and his offenses uh, in the last couple of years have ranked in the bottom 10 of the league. Uh, so those are all facts. Uh, Patrick Graham, I think, is actually a really good hire. Um, I've been able to watch him and how he's done his defenses with the Giants. And just compared to what the Raiders had previously with Gus Bradley, which is we're not going to evolve or do anything different at all. We're just going to give you the same thing every game. I think Patrick Graham is more open, at least, to hearing yeah. more about modern NFL defenses, which, I mean, he kind of did run, uh, you know, in New York to, you know, obviously they were 17th in DVOA, but obviously that had a lot to do with the talent the Giants had on defense compared to the rest of the league. So I would say that he kind of overperformed um, a little bit. Tom McMahon, uh, we'll see how Raiders special teams are. And obviously special teams is a thing that fluctuates from year to year. It's not super predictable unless you were the Chargers for like 10 straight years in the 2010s. <laughs> then it was super predictable. But for other teams, uh, there was a higher degree of variance from year to year. So yeah. we'll see how that pans out. Um, do we have any knowledge on if Mick Lombardi has play calling duties or if Josh McDaniels does? Uh, it's going to be McDaniels is my understanding. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to me, that kind of makes Mick Lombardi, obviously, in terms of preparation for the game, matter a little bit less offensively. Uh, it's sort of like the Ronaldo Hill, Brandon Staley dynamic, you know, with Brandon Staley is the guy calling the plays on game day. So, I mean, you're really worried about Josh McDaniels and you're worried about Patrick Graham in terms of what they're going to do. Um, so I think Patrick Graham can cover up some of the Raiders flaws on defense. Obviously they still have a lot of work to do, you know, into the next couple off seasons when it comes to their secondary, if they ever want to build that out their linebacker room and all of those kinds of things. Uh, but I think that he can hide some of those flaws versus Josh McDaniels. It's, you know, obviously they're bringing over offensive line staff from what Steven said to try to kind of help 
you know, that Raider situation from, you know, some of those former New England teams. But that offensive line needs a lot of work. And I don't know if there's a lot you can do with Derek Carr as your quarterback to hide a lot of those offensive line flaws. Obviously, like Steven said, they're going to be very predicated on the big play. Um, So, yeah, I'm not personally sold on McDaniels. But as far as Patrick Graham as a hire, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. So we'll see how that works out for the Raiders. Yeah, you know, like you said, I, I'm a fan of the way Patrick Graham constructed his staff in terms of like bringing in all these different ideas. You know, it would have been very easy. And we've seen the majority of coordinators who do this, you know, they are rooted in that New England system and they bring that over to a new team. And that's the only thing that they run. But, you know, Patrick Graham is hiring people from Carolina, from Baltimore, from college. And I think there's a good blend of philosophies and ideas happening there. Um, it's going to take a few years, in my opinion, in, ter- to, in terms of personnel to get the defense where uh, he wants it to be and he's comfortable and he might not even be around, right? Like if the Raiders defense is league average and you know more consistently explosive than Gus Bradley, he might get a head coaching job and then they're going to be rolling through some more turnover. So um, ultimately, I, just, I have a lot of questions about this coaching staff overall. Again, there's not a ton of experience on offense. There's um, just uh, in, in terms of a lot of philosophies that can be great, right? But that can also be overwhelming for a lot of people. Um, so we'll see. It's a lot of unproven commodities. Um, and I think that's obviously good for the Chargers. In terms of special teams, Tom McMahon definitely downgrade from Rich Bisaccia. However, uh, you know, they are dealing with a great kicker, a great punter. So we'll see if the Raiders special teams takes a step back. Um, that could certainly hurt them as well. So um i apologize for taking up such a long time about coaching staff but uh yeah that's that's their staff where i'm at with them yeah cool all right we'll move on to the next tab here which is uh free agency so this is going to be alex's time to shine here (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) sorry i wasn't ready for the prison cell um okay yeah i mean in terms of the additions i think adding Devonte Adams is obviously the biggest addition worth talking about here in terms of his relationship with Derek Carr and immediately becoming the Raiders number one receiver, best receiver in the league. Um, I, I think, you know, you can argue top three, but uh, he completely changes the game on offense. And honestly, this week for the chargers, it's why I think there's a lot of pressure on the defensive line to, you know, get pressure on Derek Carr early and take advantage of that Raiders offensive line because they have, Devonte Adams in a game where the Chargers will get to this probably aren't going to have JC Jackson. Um, and, you know, you can kind of spread out Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. and Bryce Callahan in a way to kind of neutralize that. But still, I think, you know, not having JC Jackson still gives you a lot of fewer options against somebody like Devonte Adams. So obviously he is a game breaking force. I think Mac Collins is okay. Receiver depth. Um, as far as Brandon Bolden, New England running back, very surprising. Uh, and then you have Chandler Jones as, to me, the biggest you know other addition of the offseason aside from Devontae Adams. Um, definitely an upgrade over somebody like Yannick Ngakwe, I think, last year. But you also kind of looked at the chemistry that Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby developed and just wonder, I guess, how quickly that'll you know play with Chandler Jones and now Max Crosby and whether it was worth paying the amount of money the Raiders did to upgrade in that way. Uh, aside from that, they add Rocky Sin, 
surprised that they did this when Gus Bradley was not the defensive coordinator, but now Rocky Sins here. And of course you have uh, Anthony Avert for some special, uh, not special teams depth, but some corner depth as well. You get Bilal Nichols on the interior of that defensive line. But to me, the biggest additions are obviously Devontae Adams and, and Chandler Jones. So the Raiders kind of got better uh, at what they're better at by paying premium money for it. But kind of like I said earlier, I still don't think that they necessarily did enough to, you know, stabilize the offensive line and secondary, which, you know, still are kind of what they are. Yeah, we'll talk about the matchups in a bit. Those two additions, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, that's really the two spots the Chargers are probably most worried about right now. Right tackle, obviously. Well, I guess Max Crosby could be against the right tackle, but, you know, pass rusher versus tackle. Then now, you know, secondary without J.C. Jackson. So those two are the ones to keep an eye on, no doubt. They also did sign Kyler Fackrell, and then he got hurt. Now he's gone. Yeah, Kyler Fackrell just signed with the uh, Baltimore Ravens practice squad today. So. Which I was confused. Didn't they say he was out for like the whole year when he got hurt originally? And now he's on the practice squad for the Ravens? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. All right. We also have a thing here about uh, departures, do we not? Yes, we yeah. do. So, uh, Alex, do you want to keep going with this one too? <laughs> Jesus. <the shot. laughs> um Okay, yeah, I mean, Marcus Mariota is a notable one just because, I mean, we saw particularly two years ago in the 2020 game against the Chargers uh, what Marcus Mariota was able to do on some plays. So the fact that they don't have him anymore to come in for that like trick play type of deal, um, I think is at least worth pointing out scheme wise as something you don't have to, you know, prepare for. Uh, Kenyon Drake, obviously, uh, he's just signed with Baltimore, right? Uh, so now that Kenyon Drake is out of there, they sort of lose some running back depth, but they already drafted two running backs in the draft. Um, you know, and Tyler will get to that part later. Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I mean, this was something that we were talking about in terms of the Raiders offensive line, something a lot of people, you know, hinged their hopes on in terms of the Raiders offensive line, improving whether that was in the interior or the tackle room with Leatherwood potentially taking another step forward. And I think it's hard to undersell how big, how big of a loss that is for them just that he didn't end up panning out and now they're sort of left to kind of a uh, you know scrap for whatever they can get out of their current offensive lineman Yannick Ngakwe Carl Nassib both gone uh, so they lose some edge depth but obviously replace Ngakwe with Chandler Jones lose some of the linebacker depth there as well um, and then yeah the, the cornerbacks I mean you're losing face on obviously that was bound to happen with Gus Bradley leaving Casey Hayward, uh, you know, you could kind of say the same thing and Trayvon Mullen. So it's going to be a matter of how I think Casey Hayward is a big loss for them, uh, particularly with how he played last year. And obviously an, another name to kind of list on this in the same way that we talked about um, Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett is Damon Arnett because he didn't end up panning out for them as a draft pick either. Obviously it was cut last year, um, but the fact that neither him or Mullen really panned out for the Raiders as part of the reason why their secondary is in this tough position. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you hit on a lot of different points there. I think, you know, if you're an optimist about the Raiders, I feel like you probably are looking at Rock Yassin um, as maybe somebody that can develop into a CB1 still. You, you, you kind of still have uh, the good amount of his athletic prime ahead of him. Um, but losing face on Mullen and Hayward in the same offseason is definitely notable, right? And you're replacing them. Uh, sounds like with Amik Robertson is going to be playing on the outside opposite 
of um, Rocky Hassan. You have Nate Hobbs in the slot, who I, I think is you know objectively a really good player. Um, I wouldn't say he's great, but he's solid. Um, so I have a lot of questions in general on defense about this unit, and you know I'm going to get to part of this in a, in you know later on in the show. But that defensive middle of of this unit, right? Quinton Jefferson. I think Darius Phelan has kind of maintained an open dialogue with this team, but I don't think he has resigned. He was probably their best defensive tackle last year. Um, Solomon Thomas also not on here, um, but he was solid for them last year. Um, you know, this is a unit in the middle of the defense, I think has a, a lot of question marks and, you know, they didn't really address it. Right. I think, you know, Tyler's going to get to the draft guys. I like the two draft picks. I liked them individually, but I just, again, a lot of questions overall about the middle of this defense. I, if you're a Raiders fan, you feel good about the edge rushers. You probably feel good about Trayvon Merrick playing deep center field, probably mm-hmm. feel okay ish about Nate Hobbs and Rocky Asin and whoever else is there in kind of penciling it together. But the middle of this Raiders defense got significantly worse from what it was last year. And I felt like, Hey man, like the, the Raiders defensive front gave the chargers a lot of problems last year. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, now I don't know what that's going to be like this year. Yeah. It's again, even less so than the offense, just, you know, some names, but they're just very, very, very empty looking at this depth chart. And they didn't really fill it with all that much in the draft either. I mean, you have, obviously, look, if you don't pick until round three, sure, yeah, it's hard to find guys. Even the Chargers not picking, you know, in the second round, it did hurt them to a certain extent. Uh, Round three got Dylan Parham, the guard, who is not going to be starting based on the first official depth chart. Um, Then you have running back Zemir White, then two interior defensive linemen with Neil Farrell Jr., Matthew Butler, who I really liked. I like both of them. And then close things out with Thayer Munford and Bertain Brown. It really isn't they didn't have a terrible draft in terms of who they picked. And it sounds like they're happy with Thayer, Thayer Munford too. So that's great. Pertain Brown looked good in the preseason. I believe Zimmer White has as well. And I got and I like the the trenches guys. I like Parham. I like Farrell. I like Butler. The issue really is just you talked about all the secondary guys that left. I mean, you have, you know, face on Hayward, Mullen, all these guys leave. You're trying to install this new scheme, you know, and and you're into your defensive line guys. I think just Hankins and then Vickers are the only guys that came back. And Hankins is the only guy that was really like an actual mainstay for them last year. There's so yeah. much turnover. And I think in the interior, they could be okay. But relying on that, you know, based on around four and round five interior defensive linemen, again, who we liked, that's just a lot. But the secondary, not having a single DB pick in here, um, other than Rock Yasin being in the pickup of the offseason on defense in the secondary for them, there's just not a lot here. And we saw with the Chargers, it doesn't matter how talented you are up front. You can have Joey Bosa. You know, you can have some of these other talented guys. If you don't have a whole deep secondary, you're not going to make it far. Like someone's going to beat you up at some point. If your third corner is an undrafted free agent or someone who's just not that great, you're going to get exposed at some point. And for them to not address any real DBs in the draft was a bit surprising. Again, like the players that they have here, um, but just not, uh, ignoring the secondary overall trying to install a new defensive scheme is a surprise. Yeah, you know, they have two undrafted free agents that, uh, at least according to our lads, I didn't check their official depth chart, but according to our lads, they have Sam Webb and Isaiah Pola Mao, uh, two undrafted free agents, like I said, that made the roster and could potentially be starting at this point for them at some point down the road. Um, so like you said, you know, I, I like Neil Farrell. He's looked good in the preseason. You know, Thayer Munford was somebody as like a late-round guy. I was... was 
decently high on. I like Dylan Parham. He's not starting, not be, didn't beat out Lester Cotton, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, I think the meat and bones of this roster is going to take a little bit for this team to kind of figure out, um, you know, but they obviously do have some very good star players. Yeah, like Tyler said, um, like the players hate the draft um, is kind of my opinion <laughs> sure. on this because it's like you got two interior offensive linemen, two running backs, two defensive tackles, right? And you never want to be like, oh, well, we have to pick X player or X position in X round. Um, but at the same time, it's like you're telling me there were no corners that, you know, you would have liked to add to a depleted secondary in round three or four. You're telling me there's no one in rounds five, six, and seven that you thought could have potentially worked, you know, either at safety, at corner, or, and you know, offensive line outside uh, of the interior. So I think that really when it comes to the Raiders draft, I think much like in sort of in free agency as well, they sort of got better at positions they were already sort of okay with outside of the interior offensive line. Um, when it comes to the defensive line and also their running backs, but I, I just don't think they got better at what they needed to get better at. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love when people come into the chat and have like uh, fake names. We got Dick Vitale in the chat today. What's up? What's up, Dickie V? Um, all right. So we'll move on now. Like Tyler said in the chat, we uh, obviously spent 30 minutes talking about the Raiders. Uh, now we're going to talk, obviously, about the Chargers. This is what you are here for. Um, and first and foremost, the segment that we are going to get started with, uh, we're going to call it Victory Formation. You know, this is uh, general things that we want to see the Chargers accomplish in order to uh, obviously win this game on Sunday. So if you want to call it keys to victory, that's fine. We also have key matchups. I didn't want to use the word key in two different segments. So this is what we have victory formation. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. What's one thing that you want to see the chargers or the chargers need to accomplish in order to secure this victory on uh, Sunday afternoon? I think especially because you don't know entirely for sure what you have in Trey Pipkins I would love to see them because we just experienced this as Chargers fans watching a new defense right from an old Gus Bradley scheme, all this turnover, new players. I would like to see them, especially with the signing of Sonny Michelle, put some stress on this, you know, three, four defense, whatever they roll out in. Actually, I don't know, but we're, you know, just going to say three, four for, you know, whatever. 
I want them to show me that they can stop the run because, hey, I thought the Chargers, you know, they got this player, that player. What a good scheme. Joey Bosa, Chenin Wosu, Dermot James. It's going to look great. I'm sure they can stop the run. And that was a disaster. And I thought the Chargers, for the most part, had a more talented defense, especially when healthy. The Chargers did have 228 yards on the ground last year from their running backs. I think it was 4.7 something yards per carry. Now your line is better. Like you did go out and get Zion Johnson. You did get Sony Michelle. In theory, you know, your running backs should just be better because Joshua Kelly is better. I think Isaiah Spiller will contribute there as well. You do have a better blocking tight end. I would love to see them to win, put some stress on this new defense. Can you handle everything that the Chargers have? Even if the Raiders or Raiders fans believe in some of their guys on defense, you can't honestly say that that, that front seven or at least their defensive line, is better than the Chargers' offensive line. No way. Uh, certainly not in the run game. Even Pipkins, I think, is a better run blocker. So I would love to see them. Yeah, is that not fun because Justin Herbert doesn't get to throw it as much? <laughs> sure, it's not as fun. But listen, Dallas Cowboys had no problem handing the ball off against the Chargers last year, and the Chargers just had no answer for it. Same thing with the Browns, same thing with a lot of teams. I want the Raiders to show me first that they can stop the run, and if they can't, Keep handing it off. Well, me uh, on Sunday, you and uh, Alex were completely in sync. And uh, so far, me and you in sync because I <laughs> had the same thing. I had uh, dominate the Raiders run defense as my victory formation. So I'll talk about something else in a second. But I uh, just wanted to add on to that. You know, you're looking at this defensive front for the Raiders. And you're talking about Bilal Nichols, who's kind of their their key defensive front addition. Uh, he had a 5.4 run stop percentage last year with the Bears, which is in line with Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington. Uh, 16 total run stops on the season for Mr. Bilal Nichols. Jonathan Hankins, uh, their starting nose tackle, at least now I do expect Neil Farrell to kind of take that job at some point. Uh, Jonathan Hankins had 12 total run stops last year, a 4.3 run stop percentage, and a 47.9 run defense grade. So that's your starting defensive tackle duo guys who are, in terms of run-stop percentage, uh, lower than Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington. So, like I mentioned, the middle of the defense of the Raiders has a lot of questions. You're also talking about uh, Jayon Brown, who's potentially kind of their um, early down linebacker alongside Denzel Perryman. Obviously, we know Denzel Perryman is a fantastic run defender, um, but Jayon Brown only had 11 run-stops last season with the Tennessee Titans. Graded out very poorly, only had a 5.8% run stop percentage. So you can run on this Raiders defense, and I think you can do a lot of things to the Raiders defense, but uh, specifically <laughs> up the middle with Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, and Zion Johnson, like you're talking about, I think this team can absolutely, with Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler, and Sony Michelle, be able to run the football. I thought they did a great job of that last year in both games, uh, more so the first game when Odebushi was healthy. And I think we could see an effective rushing attack again, like we did in the first game last year. Yeah. Um, you guys both mentioned the Raiders uh, defensive line and I'll flip it around and I'll talk about the Chargers defensive line in terms of what we want to see in terms of a victory formation. Uh, the Chargers invested a lot of money into their defensive line this year. And obviously we're expecting better results, right? Um, invested over $50 million against the cap this year. Uh, when you're talking about Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, uh, and Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day and all those guys. And because of restructuring Khalil Mack's contract, as well as the other contract values going up, that number balloons to $75 million in 2023 against the cap. 
So for me, especially considering how last season ended, which was death by a thousand Josh Jacobs gashes up the middle. Um, yeah. And, you know, some of the other things that happened in the second half and overtime and the Chargers pass rush, honestly, in that last Raiders game compared to the first one going pretty limp, uh, you know, in the second half of that final game. Uh, I think that you want to see an improved defensive line performance uh, and you're expecting a lot out of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. You're expecting Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day to hold down things in the middle so that Josh Jacobs and, you know, that Raiders offensive line doesn't give the Chargers as many problems as they had in that final week 18 game, which is partially why they weren't in the playoffs. So um, for me, that's really what I want to see is just a game where the defensive line takes advantage of an offensive line that by all accounts it should take advantage of and uh, just really assert themselves and be the defensive line that we know they can be with that group of players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, in sync, I was going to bring up the uh, Chargers defensive line for the key matchup. So I'm going to take it to a different angle there. Um, but I do think Alex is absolutely right. This this Chargers defensive front, um, you know, it has to get off to a strong to a strong start here. And there's there's no excuses. Like there there's no like oh the Raiders defensive the Raiders offensive line is good. Like you're not playing the Browns here. You're not playing the Eagles. Like you're playing the Raiders. And so your defensive line has to get off to a front to a great start and. Uh, a Khalil Mack revenge game, man, would be freaking awesome way to start off the season uh, wearing my Khalil Mack shirt today uh, because of that fact. So would love to see this defensive front just get off to a hot start to start the year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will say since you know we were kind of on the same page here, I will say one thing that I really want to see. Uh, is Justin Herbert playing a little bit more free in terms of taking advantage of the mismatches that he has on the outside? I think, obviously, different scheme, different players, right? But we know that uh, Patrick Graham is really going to try and take away Keenan Allen at this point. You know, he is the number one option. So I expect them to give Keenan Allen the proper attention. So uh, the Raiders tried to do that last year in the first game. And to, it worked to some extent. The the Chargers obviously had a very tight end heavy attack, but there were so many opportunities to go deep down the field to Mike Williams, to Jalen Guyton. Um, and, you know, Justin was just, you know, so focused on working those tight ends. And again, it worked. It's hard to blame him. Um, but I would like to see him be a little bit more flexible in that approach and be able to attack downfield uh, with Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, and Jalen Guyton when they're so focused in on stopping Keenan Allen and uh, maybe Austin Eckler as well, potentially get some of that treatment, at least as a uh, pass catcher. Yeah. In terms of Justin Herbert and I guess in particular Keenan Allen, it really seems like in now in training camp when nothing matters and you get to throw it, however, and you are the starter. And so you're good. It really seems like they were really connecting over the middle char Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen. I would love to see that continue here yeah, their attention will probably go to taking Keenan Allen away. But I don't know, man. I feel like something's going to be different this year with Keenan Allen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could talk about, obviously, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and the weapons that uh, Justin Herbert's kind of already used. I'm I'm curious to see in this game how Justin Herbert uses some of his new toys um, when it comes to Gerald Everett replacing Jared Cook. Jared Cook was a huge uh, part yeah. of that you know, final Raiders game and even the first Raiders game. Um, so to see how, you know, Gerald Everett kind of fits in into that potential role um, as a pass catcher and what he can do to see even how the Chargers use a new wide receiver like DeAndre Carter, 
um, who, you know, they talked about a lot in training camp and got a lot of run in training camp. Um, if they, you know, have some new end arounds that they like to use for him, like Steven mentioned, hopefully those look better in the regular season than they did in the preseason. Um, and they should. So if the, just the new wrinkles, the Chargers can add to this offense in addition to, you know, the new players they have, obviously Sony Michelle and uh, Joshua Kelly being kind of, you know, RB2, RB3, depending on how you want to put it. Um, Isaiah Spiller on the depth chart is RB4, but we don't, uh, he should play this game. I want to see, you know, how the running backs obviously behind Austin Eckler obviously contribute as well um, in a big way. So those guys uh, should get some run as well. But just how Justin Herbert in general uses some of the new weapons he has um, since the Raiders kind of already know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are coming for them. It's a matter of whether you can stop them. But um, I, I'd like to see the Chargers, even if they don't need to necessarily get a little bit creative with some of the new pieces. Man, I... I... I just can't wait to see this offense, man. You know, this continuity and bringing all these pieces in together. Um, <laughs> I think my brain's a little too affected of watching Easton Stick and Chase Daniel over the last few <laughs> weeks that I just, I cannot wait to see what Justin <laughs> brings to this table with Joe Lombardi's able to do, push the ball down the field a little bit more this year with the added protection and things like that. Uh, have some players be good at yards after catch this year with Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, DeAndre Carter. That's going to be fun as hell as well. So very excited. All right, we will uh, move on here. We're going to talk about our key matchups now. We talked a little bit, kind of generalities, but specifics here, one-on-one matchups, maybe two-on-two, depending on who you're kind of talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. Alex, we'll start with you on this one. What's the uh, most pivotal matchup that you are focusing in on for Sunday's game? Yeah, um, I'm going to say most pivotal matchup is, I guess it's not really a matchup, but we did sort of talk about how the Chargers uh, running back sort of attack the middle. Um, I think that's going to be a really big part of this game. Uh, Obviously, we know how Austin Eckler is going to come, um, but I do think you look at RB2, RB3, and RB4 uh, being Sonny Michelle, Joshua Kelly, and Isaiah Spiller. And just seeing how they're going to be used in space uh, against someone like Bilal Nichols, who obviously is very new. And uh, Matthew Butler will obviously, you know, kind of get some run in this game as well as Neil Farrell. Uh, so I'm ser- I'm curious to see with that Raiders rebuilt interior, how they go against the Chargers running game. Um, obviously, you can talk about the linebackers and corners as well, since the Chargers are obviously going to use Austin Eckler and some of the other running backs as pass catchers, too, including Sonny Michelle and Joshua Kelly. Um, but I'm very curious to see in the same way that the Raiders just kind of ran it up the middle against the Chargers last year, if the Chargers can do some of that, if they'll have any preference in terms of running left or right, uh, you know, much like they did last year for obvious reasons. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'll just be very curious to see if the Chargers can really test the Raiders offensive line with their running back usage. Cause we already know with that Raiders depleted secondary that, the Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer can probably take advantage of that pretty easily. Um, but I think the running backs are sort of an unknown variable here but behind Austin Eckler in terms of how they'll, you know, factor in in a regular season game. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I say, hey, yeah, run at the 3-4 defense and, you know, see if they can do anything. But we don't really know how these guys are going to officially be used you know, Joshua yeah. Kelly was kind of their short yardage back at some points last year and was at the scrimmage and like, okay, what are we doing here? And now he seems to be a bit more free to do different things. And Spiller seems to be a receiving back and Michelle seems to be kind of do everything as a RB2B. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how they utilize these backs. How much do they open up in week one? I don't know, but I feel like it's just such an easy thing to connect from last year to this year. It's just a very 
translatable thing. Just go ahead and run the ball with some veterans and guys who know what they're doing. And, you know, Spiller looks good as a pass catcher. Um, as far as key matchups for me, yes, it is Trey Pipkins versus Max Crosby. But I'll actually be <laughs> keying in on Gerald Everett versus Max Crosby. And I say that because mm. at the scrimmage, Gerald Everett got, I think, three or four reps solo with, with uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, it didn't go super well for Gerald Everett, but that's because it's Khalil Mack and it's one-on-one with Khalil Mack. So I don't expect him to win those, but it was interesting to see him not just help the right tackle, which I don't remember if it was Pipkins or Norton who started that game or the scrimmage, um, not just help them, but also be the guy like one-on-one with these guys. So if that's any indication of what's to come, it does seem like they do trust him. And I mean, someone's got to block Max Crosby. So whether it's it's helping Pipkins or one-on-one, to me, Gerald Everett, and to a certain extent, Donald Parham as well. You know, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham versus those edge rushers is going to be huge in this game. Yeah, please don't put Gerald Everett that often against Max Crosby one-on-one. Um, at least, you know, give him some help. So I, I, in general, I'm curious, obviously, how they go about, you know, blocking this reader's uh, edge duo. I have all the confidence in the world that Rashawn Slater is going to lock down whoever he's going up against. Um, you know, but they were not really able to help Storm Norton very much last year in week 18. Um, you, you know, they had Jared Cook chipping as much as they could. But at that point, when you're down 15 points, they had to get as many guys out in the in the route process as possible. More positive game script should certainly help Trey. And I do think he has held up. I mean, he's only started two games against the Raiders. One was that left tackle, one was that right tackle. In Oakland, and obviously Max Max Crosby was not the player that he is today. But uh, in essentially four games against the Raiders, Storm Norton allowed like 24 pressures. Um, Granted, again, Week 18 really was like its own separate game within a game. Um, So I think that's obviously a matchup that people could focus in on. You know, you could certainly talk about the pass rushers, um, you know, against the Raiders tackles. But I want to focus in on Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery against this Raiders into your offensive line. Um, we have heard that the Chargers are expecting a lot of quick game from the Las Vegas Raiders this uh, this weekend. A lot of 11 personnel, a lot of get the ball out quick. And who can blame them, right? If I had this offensive line and Devontae Adams, I would probably do the same thing and Hunter Renfro too. Um, so it's going to be crucial for the Chargers that Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery show up on sub package in, in on third downs and be able to create pressure from the interior because uh, you know, you can try and have a quick game as much as possible, but if you are um, constantly under pressure on from the middle, I'm getting a freaking uh, flash flood alert right now. Excuse me while I'm trying to look at my notes that I took. Um, quick game does not work against, uh, against interior pressure is what I'm trying to say here. So, uh, John Simpson last year, the Raiders starting left guard, allowed the 11th most pressures among all guards in 2021. And the Raiders were just like, yeah, we'll bring that guy back. He's unquestioned <laughs> left guard starter. Um, Andre James was okay last year. He only allowed 18 mm-hmm. total pressures, which is 17th most. It's right in the middle of the pack. Um, still a very young center. This is we his second year starting. He allowed four pressures on 43 snaps in the preseason, though. A lot of Raiders fans from what I have seen are hoping to add some veteran center or at some point to replace him obviously a little bit too uh, late to do that and then lester cotton who we talked a little bit about a couple episodes ago 
Uh, he's their starting right guard. He's an undrafted free agent from 2019. Has not started. I think he's only started like one game across the last three seasons. Uh, I looked up his draft profile uh, and I felt like I was reading the same draft profile as Deontay Brown. You know, big oh, no. <laughs> Alabama interior oh, no. offensive lineman who really strong, really brute force kind of guy, but not super athletic, not very quick. Um, so we'll see again, that was three years ago. So he can certainly have, have taken a big step forward. Um, but you know, this is a big Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery game and Jerry Tillery's had some moments in, against the Raiders. Um, but if there were any game for Morgan Fox to kind of come out and assert himself, you know, kind of, uh, you know, plant his flag and be like, I'm the pass rushing starter, not Jerry Tillery. I think this is one, this is a very positive matchup for him. Uh, and Derek Carr, as we know, does struggle against pressure. He had the fifth highest turnover worthy play percentage against pressure mm. last season among all quarterbacks. So if the Chargers pass rush is going to get home, I think Joey Bosa and Kalumak are obviously fantastic. But to me, the key for the Chargers pass rush is Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery this week. God bless Jerry Tillery. Godspeed, man. He was responsible <laughs> or partially responsible for Covington's sack on Carr last year. So he can be involved in some way. And yes, he will be, I'm I'm hoping, more of a pass rusher than a run defender this year. Um, so that's great. And then Morgan Fox, he was actually going to be my X factor today. I have a couple others just in case someone uh, mentioned him. So yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from him because this is a guy that did nothing really in training camp. <laughs> and then all of a sudden in the preseason, he's like, oh yeah, I can actually play football. And he's throwing guards around and looks fantastic. I think he was like fifth in the preseason in you know pass rush win rate or pass rush productivity um so he looked fantastic so i really want to see what their plans are for him um and those two in particular when they go to a three four if ever if they have a three-man front is it fox over tillery is it tillery over fox the first depth chart does say tillery over fox i don't really buy that but i guess we'll see um but fox man like by all accounts and even talking to you know his personal coach they think that carolina did a terrible job with morgan yep. fox and they did not use yep. him correctly and so whatever the numbers were last year I, I supposedly he's in a better situation with his former coach and coordinator and they have a lot you know they're, they're riding high on him i guess uh, so i can't wait to see what they have in store for him yeah somebody pointed out sebastian joseph day also playing a role here for sure yeah um we talk about jerry tillery morgan fox uh if, if not now when <laughs> <laughs> like sure. If you can't take advantage of this offensive line in particular, I don't know when you are going to. I'll be more curious with Jerry Tillery and Morgan Fox to see how their usage contrasts with the preseason a little bit because Jerry Tillery and Fox were still on for a good amount of first and second down plays uh, during the preseason, particularly in those first two games. Uh, so I'll be curious to see if they're only used in obvious you know, passing situations such as third down, potential second and long or if the Chargers will kind of give them some opportunities on first downs uh, to maybe, you know, just get in for a sack or something like that. Um, so I'll be curious to see more what their usage is. And yeah, no, I, I mean, you should be able to take advantage of this Raiders interior. I, I don't even think that you should necessarily have to do some like, okay, Joey Bosa chips to the inside here. Khalil Mack does that here. Like, <laughs> This should be a game that the Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson are able to take advantage of um, that Raiders uh, interior. So uh, especially Jerry Tillery and Morgan Fox as well. 
So hoping to get some positive momentum for both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Really quickly, I have to say that the chat has been uh, awesome today. Super excited. I think everybody's just uh, uh, so stoked that football is back. So uh, appreciate all you guys in the chat today. Um, Matt Meter, I'm guessing, uh, had a $10 super chat earlier. It says, keep up the great work, guys. Each of you should pick one player and give a predicted stat line. I assume he's meaning today, um, or not today, this game, I should say. Um, we'll certainly take this into consideration for our Saturday Q&A. We'll probably have more predictions on that episode, but do really appreciate that. And then, of course, uh, the Shoon family showing up in the Super Chat, as always, as they always do. Um, all right, we'll get to our X Factors here. As always, these are guys who we think ne- not necessarily these star players. A lot of what we do on this show is is kind of not geared towards the star players, and you know we can certainly do a better job of that. But uh, in terms of X Factors, my first one of the season, <laughs> I just remember when Tyler had Trey McKitty as his X Factor, and then he was a healthy scratch that one time last year. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't was, happen this year. Twice, and then I did it to Senio <laughs> Calamete, and he got cut. So. Oh, God, Senio Calamete. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, so I'm going to kick this one off. My X Factor is going to be Josh Palmer. I cannot wait to see just how uh, creatively they're going to use him this off or this regular season. Um, you know, We saw a lot of everything from him in terms of usage from the preseason. We saw a lot of deep routes, a lot of intermediate routes caught some screens obviously had the one touchdown that he took on a screen pass so i feel like you know josh palmer is kind of their fill in the gaps right like you have keenan Mm -hmm. allen who's so good over the middle he's such a good route runner you have michael williams kind of your bigger body um i feel like josh palmer is kind of the perfect blend of the two of them and so i'm just so excited to see what josh palmer has in store in this one um i mentioned this earlier i feel like the raiders defense will key in on taking away one of their two star receivers in terms of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. And we'll see, right? Like, I don't think you can really contain Keenan Allen for a whole game. He'll make an impact for sure. But I think this could be a big Josh Palmer game because of the way the Raiders defense could play them. And we could, I feel like we could see a 75-yard, one-touchdown kind of game from Josh Palmer. And I think the Chargers will absolutely need him to show up in a big way. I love that. And just watching the Raiders Chargers game last year, it was just like you kind of have your guys, but no one like there was no other guy that could really step up. You just were waiting for one other guy to make a couple of plays. And Palmer did get some targets. I think he was targeted seven times actually, and just dropped a couple of drops here, a couple of good pass breakups there. Really was didn't really, you know, put it together. But then you have one of the greatest fourth down conversions I've ever seen with that fourth <laughs> and twenty one for you know the touchdown. So yeah, you know, that kind of playmaking ability is there. You know, he scored on a screen in the preseason. He got a first on and an out route. You know, got a forty-yard you know vert route or whatever it was. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do with him. So yeah, it's a it's a great X factor. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with Josh Palmer as well in this game, particularly just kind of what his usage is. Uh, I could go full on character here and go DeAndre Carter as my X factor, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say my my X factor is going to be uh, Michael Davis. Um, and particularly his usage in this game, because the J.C. Jackson thing obviously hangs over this game, depending on whether he plays or not, whether he can be matched up with Devontae Adams. Um, but specifically the usage of Michael Davis against the Raiders. Um, he's been involved with Darren Waller a lot in terms of how uh, they obviously cover him 
kind of combining him with Derwin James a little bit in that regard uh, when Darren Waller has been a threat. Um, And so, you know, to potentially have him basically have less freedom without JC Jackson and sort of uh, have to basically be keyed in on uh, Devontae Adams and some of the other Raiders receivers for the whole game, as opposed to kind of working inside with Darren Waller. Um, I think that's going to be a, a huge factor in this game. And I think you could talk about Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. in general, especially if JC Jackson is out for this one. But particularly, I will point out the usage of Michael Davis and you know historically how it's been and how it could change this game without having um, you know what the team wanted as CB1 and JC Jackson out there. Yeah, he really could go from X factor to key matchup immediately, depending on you know how mm-hmm. things play out. They did have Asante Samuel Jr. listed over him on the depth chart. I'll kind of believe it when I see it. Wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was just kind of a coin toss based on maybe matchups or opponents or whatever for the week. Uh, but yeah, Michael Davis was the guy. If we did bold predictions, I actually I wrote down Michael Davis gets the game ball. I just feel like there might be something there. He's had a real like nice uh, streak the last couple of weeks. He's really ascending right now as much as you can. Maybe not ascending, but rebounding to kind of his potential peak, it seems. I don't know if he'll actually start, but he does have a, a role to play for sure. So I really like that one. Um, I could say uh, Bryce Callahan here, but I think he covered corners. So I'll go with a bit different of an X factor here. And that's not necessarily a player, but it's it's blitzes. And it's linebacker and DB blitzes, obviously. Um, the Chargers, I did not realize, they had 10 pressures on 15 individual blitzes last year. That's a very, very good pressure rate. And for as much crap as someone like Kenneth Murray got in Week 18 last year, he did have two very good pressures. Drew Tranquil, very involved with pressures last year. Devon Campbell had a pressure. Kaiser White had a pressure. Um, and various other guys, I'm sure Derwin James, Nas did as well. Um, so I really want to see with this you know, new improved unit, but also in theory, a, a better secondary and a better defensive line. You know, what can you throw at these guys? Because this Raiders offensive line, man, like Corey Lindsay was so big for the Chargers because of the communication, how much that improved. The Raiders, they're really still trying to figure out their offensive line. I don't know if they know, you know their yeah. offensive line really right now, and I certainly don't think they'd be comfortable with it. So let's throw things at them. Let's see what they can handle. I, I really don't think they can. This is a line that's learning a new scheme. They haven't really gelled together yet. It's week one. You know, and they're facing a very, I would think, you know, veteran, savvy, smart defense that has gelled for the last year, or they just have veteran guys who know the scheme. Um, so I would love to see them throw some linebacker blitzes, DB blitzes. You know, and, and talk about Morgan Fox as well, stunts, whatever it is. Let's yeah. just see what they can throw at the Raiders because I don't know that they can handle it just yet. Yeah, in general, I'm really curious to see what the Chargers blitz rate is becomes this year because, um, you know, they were, I feel like, middle of the pack with Brandon Staley and the Rams in 2020. But last year, the Chargers did not blitz very much more often than they were able to in 2020 with Gus Bradley. Obviously, for very, very different reasons, right? The Chargers just could not stop the run. They were not able to get into those uh, potential personnel packages where they could, you know, send these designer looks like Brandon Staley likes to call them. All that too often when they did, man. I mean, like when Derwin James and Nasir Ali were able to blitz last year, it was beautiful, right? Like the two of them are such good blitzers. And, um, you know, I think Alohi Gilman could certainly get in there. And Bryce Callahan is, is a fantastic blitzer as well. So I, I think that's a really good pick. I know it wasn't necessarily your first option here, but the, the way that the Chargers are able to kind of set up those designer looks, I think is absolutely a, a key here again, because 
the the Raiders we know, or at least we think we know, are going to be relying on that quick, pa- quick passing game. But if they're in third and long all day long, that doesn't matter, right? Like you're going to need to be able to convert on third and long situations. And I think that plays to the Chargers' advantage, even though they have Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. I just think the Chargers will really be able to get after Derek Carr if they are able to get in those third and fourth and long situations. I love reading the chat, man. Like I, I, <laughs> I usually don't get this distracted with the chat, but boy, people are firing in today, and I just love reading it. <laughs> it's all that family, trust, respect, energy, and I'm here for it. When did that become a thing? Um, I wasn't it. No, it was when they did their schedule release a couple of years ago, right? And yeah. they put like FTR on the PowerPoint, and then they put it was family, trust, respect. I think it was yeah. 2021 or 2020. I don't remember. I think it was 2020. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. When it was more of like the slideshow when they like called out Cleveland. Maybe that was last year. I think it was the same year when the Cleveland newscasters like really uh, got after. <laughs> uh, Jorge Rodriguez says Chargers chat pod created it. I have no idea. Honestly, I only remember. I'm that pretty sure it was Chargers, the Chargers Twitter account, but I don't remember. Yeah, I only remember this becoming a thing like over the last two seasons. So I don't know. But I don't know, man. We have football this week, and I cannot wait. I was talking with a lot of coworkers today um, about everything. Where, um, in terms of like NFL fans, there are more Raiders fans and Chargers fans in my office than any other the other fan bases. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's was a fun day at work today, just chatting about everything. And I'm sure it's going to continue to be a fun week uh, throughout the rest of the week. Yep, I'm excited. If you have not bought tickets yet, and you have the ability to do so, please do. Um, you know, I like being around people that don't hate my team. Uh, so it'd be <laughs> nice to be, like, I'll be there with my family. Sure. But two of them like the Raiders. So it's just, you know, uh, if you can go, <laughs> please go. Like, let's try to buck the trend. It's not going to happen because Chargers fans like to talk about that they exist, but then not show up to some of these games. Uh, if, but if you can, please do like the Chargers did a lot this offseason to help out, you know, and, and to really show that they're all in try to make it to this game if you can yeah um i hope everybody shows up to the game just so i don't have to hear tony romo make some like corny joke about how the chargers don't have fans or something or something along those lines i don't want to be in those crosshairs of the national media again i still do think there probably will be more raiders fans this game just because of how that situation's played out in the past but any progress is progress and if you can go to the game i think that's a, obviously a big step going forward but finally happy to have football back like steven said we, i don't have to fucking ever watch another snap of Easton <laughs> stick again it's awesome oh are you sure oh i'm sure they're not gonna re-sign when they him. resign him probably pro- pro- probably uh i think this last year's <laughs> deal you know we'll see on that one uh but hopefully i don't have to watch another snap of chase daniel either even though he's listed as qb2 this is the justin herbert show and i'm very excited to finally get it on the road um well alex i have good news for you you won't have to listen to tony romo because he's doing the chiefs and cardinals game really wait yes. so but i thought the chargers raiders game was the national one is it not or is, is it no it's, that's it's chiefs, uh, cardinals? It's chiefs cardinals yeah we're not the, the chargers raiders isn't even like the second broadcast like charles wow. davis and uh whoever's with him they're doing um some other game huh. i can't remember but we have the third one i think it's um Harlan and Trent Green, I want to say. 
Oh, yeah, I like when Kevin Harlan does the charging game, so that's 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 good. Uh, I just assumed when they did that that they were doing it for that purpose, considering how the season ended last year, but I guess they want to put Murray and Mahomes first. I don't know. Looking this up right now. Um, I'm going to say Tylen Sago or Sago. I am very sorry. I don't know what that is. Anyone tailgating before the games? Uh, kind of. I'm not much of a tailgater, but Sunday is my sister's birthday. And so we will all be there. And I believe she'll be wearing a birthday sash. So go <laughs> ahead and you know, throw drinks and food at her and get her super <laughs> shit face before the game. Uh, is she the one that's a Raiders fan, though? No. So she's welcome down there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it looks like we get Kevin Harlan and Trent Green this week. Um, yeah. Nance, Romo, Tracy Wilson are in uh, Arizona. And the uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis are Steelers at Bengals. So there you go. All right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. We will be um, having plenty of content for you guys throughout the week. I'm going to be doing an interview with a Raiders writer tomorrow. So check that out for uh, their perspective on the Raiders. And then, like I said, uh, Thursday afternoon around at 4 p.m., Arjun and I will be live uh, to have his segment of Chargers Analytics. Excited about that change. And then we will also have the Q&A, the three of us on Saturday morning, and then we'll be going live sometime on Sunday evening. So lots of content, lots of Chargers Raider stuff coming your way. We really appreciate all of the support. Uh, the fact that we had this many in the chat tonight was a lot of fun. You guys brought some great energy, electric attitudes and jokes. We really appreciate that. So uh, as always, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.